0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's post daily news update. My name is Wei Tang. John Pollock will be joining me later on tonight for Rewind, of SmackDown, and Rampage. But this afternoon, I again have the honor and privilege to be joined by the youngest in charge, Mister Andrew Thompson. Underscore 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 underscore. How are you doing, Andrew? What's up?
1: What's going What's going on, Wei Tang? Glad to be back on the post daily news show. Always a good time chatting with you, my brother.
0: All right. Yes, Uh, we have a lot to get through uh, on tonight's show, of course. But, you know, the headlining story, of course, over the past 24 hours has been the reported contract expiration of one Cesaro. Cesaro's WWE contract has expired. On Thursday, PW Insiders Mike Johnson reported the news that WWE Cesaro... Let me just get the little story up here. Has exited the company following the expiry of his current contract. PW Insider reported that Cesaro had been in negotiations to renew, but the two sides were unable to reach a new agreement. This is, of course, a contract expiry and not a release, so this means that there is no 90 day non compete and he is free to appear for any promotion immediately. Cesaro, who is now 41, has been with the WWE since 2011 and last wrestled on the February 11th edition of SmackDown, losing a happy Corbin. In fact, Cesaro has not had a televised win since the end of no- November of last year. So perhaps this exit was somewhat foreseen. Uh, Andrew, what was your immediate reaction to the news?
1: This is very, very big news. Um, I, I See, with Cesaro, I, I know there's a, there's, there's like, it's like two different sections. And, and not to be the pun, it's like two different sections of people who view Cesaro in, in different ways. There's that crowd who I think d- doesn't think that he is, more than just what he has been presented as in WWE for the past, you know, whatever, as long as he's been a decade or so, and then there's that other section <laughs> which I, which I'm included in, is, who thinks that he could be a, a marquee main event talent, and I think it's, it, it just gonna be, remains to be seen in terms of what he's going to do after this, and of course, uh, like there, there's a, a plethora of different options out there. I think or a plethora of different routes. I think he could go. I think the, I think me personally, I think the best route for him, honestly, would probably be New Japan, and of, and of course, you know, he. You know, I, I don't know if exactly if he's looking, you know, to go over to Japan. Uh, but well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the thing he probably wants to do. But I mean, of course, with the restrictions and stuff like that, um, you know, travel delays and all that type of stuff. So, uh, like, I, I mean, you, you could probably see him be on NJPW Strong, and I can definitely see him be the person to probably take the Strong title Tom long time longer. I think that'd be cool. And, you know, he could sort of be the face of that brand if they, uh, if they went that route. And, um, you know, AEW always right there, you know, and Impact's right there. But yeah, man, Cesaro being on the free agent market, that's a, uh, that'd be a big gift for anybody. And then on top of that, you know, of course you got a the fact in that the free agent market is very, very crowded right now.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. But speaking of AEW, uh, let's go around to see some of the reactions from around the wrestling industry. And we go first to AEW zone, Eddie Kingston, who says, mm-hmm. all I am going to say is he doesn't have the balls to come to AEW. I mean, he does not spe- specifically state whom he's talking about, but I mean, the timing of the news, um, we can assume it's Cesaro, unless maybe he's talking about. Wait, he, uh,
1: nah, nah, I was about to say, well, he 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 definitely talking about Cesaro because he uh, he has said this in an interview. I I, want to say like late last year, he was talking about like, so he he was mentioning Cesaro and he brought his name up and he said that exact same thing about uh, that individual. So yeah, I I get what you say. He definitely talked about Cesaro though.
0: I'm just trying to think of a funny name to bring up that he could actually be talking about instead, but okay, let's say it's Cesaro. (laughs) Biff Busick, uh, somebody who competes on new Japan strong says, give me Claudio Castagnoli. And uh, I think many people, you know, have called him maybe a mini Cesaro in the past. So that would be a funny matchup. Um, we go up next to Seth Rollins, you know, somebody who's a, a WrestleMania, former WrestleMania uh, 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 opponent of, of uh, Cesaro's, of course, here tweeting just the gif of the big spot from last year. Uh, we go to Becky Lynch, who posts another photo. Uh, uh, very good friends. We've seen them. And then, of course, Natalia Neihard, who says, thank you for being there for us through the brightest of times and the darkest of times. We will never forget it, Claudio. A true friend for mm-hmm. life. John Cena, of course, uh, with his popular Stone Cold meme, uh, posting up on his famous Instagram here, a photo of Stone Cold Cesaro. So, you know, this is, um, I think, uh, a, a big loss for, for the company, at least in terms of uh, backstage, um, because he seems to be somebody who not only is seems universally well-liked, <laughs> excuse me, but universally... <laughs> well respected as uh as a competitor and and as a performer so um i mean the story seems to be that um it's not necessary dave melter has reported that you know it wasn't necessarily a case of cesaro looking to leave uh the way perhaps you know some of the other talents who have been recently released have but instead uh perhaps him not being happy enough with the offers that they have been affording him given that you know um there i know you said said, suggested new japan andrew but i mean i think the money in terms of money there there are only really two companies that are playing that that game at that level right now um what are the most likely options for him do you think
1: uh i mean you are we talking like financially then i mean you know it's you're either going back and trying to work something out with wwe or you know shoot a shot at AEW and hopefully something comes there. Like if, I mean, I I know there's that, you know, you can't sign everyone, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I know that that's there, but I mean, you know, I think it's just absurd. You got to make exceptions, man. Like even when, um, when, when, when the news came out, you know, late last year that uh, Shane Strickland was going to be a free agent, I, swear, I was like, man, that's one of those dudes, man. You, 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 you got to, you know what I'm saying? You, you have to, you got to bring them in. I think it's the same thing with Cesar now, as far as what he can do in AEW ceiling wise. I think it just remains to be seen. Like, I I think that, like, I think the way that Cesar has been presented over the past 10 years or so makes him appear to be like he can only do a certain thing. Like, you know, it's either the mid-card tag team division. And I think once he is able to sort of, you know, sort of spread his wings a little bit, and, and see what's out there in today's landscape and, and sort of be presented in a different light, I think that's when we'll sort of, you, you know, we, we we can see, we'll probably see what a lot of people have been expecting out of him or have been expecting him to be presented, you know, for the past however many years.
0: Yeah, I would certainly say, I mean, like with anybody who seems to leave the WWE at, at a certain high level, I mean, AEW seems to be, you know, the the number one place. But as you mentioned, Andrew, it's a it's a company that... Has already been suffering i would say from a bit of bloat and yeah. you know what would this mean for recent appearances just this week andrew we've had um like we had buddy buddy matthews debut apparently strange strange strickland <laughs> is on his way uh like you know keith lee, keith lee is there um, so it, it continues to be an issue where I think it, it's so attractive to think about Cesaro in the mix with all these guys. <laughs> but how many exceptions do you make and where do you draw the line, Andrew?
1: I, so see, wait, I was about to ask you, like, so if they get Cesaro, wait, do, you think, do you think they got to make a play for hero? At some point, like, yeah, Cesaro, I mean, you bet. Like.
0: <laughs> well, listen, listen, I mean, um, no matter where he signs, you know, there is this sort of like little period in between somebody's exit and, and from the WWE and, and them, con- you know, um, um, signing to a, a different promotion where they can really play around. And I mean, if you're Cesaro, you could or, or Claud- Claudio Castagnoli, we we can presume at this point, you could probably negotiate quite a bit of freedom to work the indies. And therefore, a Kings of Wrestling reunion, I'm sure, is is something that a lot of people are very <laughs> excited about, in or out of AEW. Um, but speaking of, you know, Keith Lee, uh, this this uh, I want to credit uh, Ross Tweddell from Cultaholic, who suggests I'm normally against AEW taking little petty shots at WWE, but having Cesaro grab the brass ring at the end of that Revolution <laughs> ladder match is one that they should do, isn't it? And, of course, this harkens back to the brass ring comment that originated from the uh, Vince McMahon Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast in which Cesaro was a focal point of discussion. Um, and it, that brass ring, um, theoretical Vince McMahon brass ring, has long been associated with Cesaro. So, really, what better opportunity if you're going to debut him in AEW than that match? But, of course, it also calls the question, you know, uh, do you do that at the sacrifice of somebody like a Keith Lee who who might also be you know a prime candidate to win that?
1: That's that's See that's rough. That's see that that's actually a good tweet. That's a really good tweet. That's actually a good idea. But at the same time, like you just said, way like it it seems like it might be sort of leaning towards in the favor of Keith Lee right now. Like he might he seems like to to me he seems like the favorite in terms of the person who might win this match and then going to win the TNT title. That's what I think. And I think I mean I think they should go that route. But then I think it's also just the 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 idea and the visual of Cesaro Claudio of grabbing the brass ring and you know of course like uh, Ross mentioned in that tweet you know harkening back to uh you know that comment that Vincent Mann made and and like when Vincent Mann made that comment man I I think it really I, I think it was more just evident than ever like about how he felt about Cesaro and like I don't know why but I think that we all should have realized like right then and there like uh like that was probably gonna be his position for the remainder of his time there and like even what? when uh like I was—I was gonna mention. where do you remember when they had the segment on Raw when it was Finn Balor and they were doing like the um, like the the lead up to the Royal Rumble twenty nineteen? And Finn Balor had went on to face Brock, and they had that back and forth exchange with uh, with with, with Finn and Vince, and Vince was like, you know, he just he said thought he was like too small, and he didn't think he was like you know ready to sort of transition into that 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 sort of marquee spot and stuff like that. And I was like, I mean, it, it's, it's a you know, it's a it's a segment, but it's like I. I I'd highly doubt that there wasn't some bit of truth in that. Oh, this is part as far as what he thought about Balor.
0: Well, uh, looking back at Cesaro's WWE run, um, you know, how would you assess it, Andrew, as somebody who um, has has followed it pretty closely? I mean, in terms of his his peak, you know, where do you think it mm-hmm. was when you look back at his, you know, at this point, eleven year career in the company?
1: That's it for, honestly, like I mean, just from like if he was any type, any like frustrated at any point, he never let it be known. Like he was always, you know, kept it very professional for the most part. And like, even at times when people felt like he deserved more, or maybe he felt like he deserved more, he never said a word about it. Like the only time I've like legitimately ever heard Cesaro come out and like speak about any type of disappointment or anything like that was most recently when he was talking about the Royal Rumble. He was like, he felt like he should have, you know, he was disappointed that he wasn't in it. Like, but other than that, I've never heard anything about him, you know, feeling angry or upset or like he, and of course like you just pulled up the tweets seems like he was beloved by his uh by his colleagues and i had um quote a bit of uh uh sean Ross staff's report um like the sort of the backstage reaction and it was like a, a lot of people they love cesaro man like he's like one of the most popular popular people backstage like he's beloved by his colleagues so like uh that, that's a big loss and like when i look at his overall run i mean he was a great tag team wrestler um, you know, he could have been. He could have done more than the MIG I think he won one uh, United States title. I, I can't remember if he won the Intercontinental title or not, but I think it was just that one. But yeah, well, like, how would you sort of you know rank or, or, or you, know, you know how you reflect on Cesaro's run in WWE?
0: I mean, I, I feel like the, the, the story on him is that he, he's been criminally underutilized, you know? Um, at this <laughs> point, Ricochet seems to have taken that position, but for, I think, many years, uh, many people would have cited Cesaro as that person who should have been pushed harder than he actually, uh, was. Uh, yes, of course, he, he was a great tag team wrestler, was in teams, of course, with, uh, Tyson Kidd, uh, the real Americans, I suppose, if you even want to consider that with Jack Swagger and, and of course, the bar. Um, but, I think that's just simply because he's a great wrestler and if you put him mm-hmm. in any sort of situation he was going to shine and it just so happened that they saw him as a tag-team guy predominantly he did have some you know start start and stop pushes um, a, a, a relatively unsuccessful run with Paul Heyman that that was pretty short-lived uh, they had some stuff with like the, the when he debuted the James Bond tarot away suit and, of course, who could forget the brief yodeling gimmick that um, they gave him? Um, <laughs> I guess, I don't know, because he was Swiss. Uh, but also, of course, most most recently, a brief run as he was challenging for the title uh, against Tribal Chief Roman Reigns at Backlash of last year. So um somebody who, you know, in-ring can really get over, but for, to me, never necessarily fit into the Vince McMahon style of professional wrestling, who uh, I think demands a lot more in terms of. I don't know. Like when he t- in that interview like you know Vince kind of lamented the fact that he didn't seem to have a level of charisma that he was looking for but I mean in ring I don't know if you can find many people as charismatic as as a guy who managed to get a big swing over as like you know sort of like his his main gimmick. Of course speaking he definitely has limitations. But that, I think, can be remedied. Um, Look at Brock Lesnar before, you know, this current run, you know, if they wanted to. Mm. And, of course, for whatever reason, the Heyman thing didn't work out. Um, Any other kind of, uh, you know, uh, managerial thing only only took him so far. But outside of the system, I mean, that values in-ring personality a lot more than on-the-microphone personality. I think he will reach his true potential.
1: Hey, hey, wait, let me ask you. Do, you, do you think they fully were, do you think they fully capitalized on the momentum that Cesaro had coming out of WrestleMania? Like, cause I mean, he, he got the universal title match, but he, it seemed like he got thrown in there. Like it's just, it was at that point where it was like, anybody who was facing Roman was like, it, it was like, no doubt. It wasn't even like a, a question as to if Roman could be beat by that person. Do you think they, they, they sort of threw him out there a little too quick? Or do you think they should have kept building up after he beat Rollins at Mania?
0: I think there was certainly a lot of potential. You know, you definitely saw somebody like, uh, Brian Danielson when he was still with the company, One, like it felt like uh-huh. one of his main, main goals was to, um, you know, really prop up the rest of the roster with Cesaro being one of those names. But, uh, after the title challenge, he was just kind of brought back down the card. And, you know, at that point, who knows how much they knew of whether or not he was going to resign, which I think at least c- accounts for some of the de-escalation of, of his push. Um, so you know, no, they didn't carry on that momentum. And again, you know, it could have been for for a reason. Um, but I also feel like you know there were all ultimately going to be some sort of limitations for a guy like him um, on, within the style of this company. Mm. We uh, have a bit of other news here to to go through, of course, and that includes uh, an update on WrestleMania. Both nights, WrestleMania. Have now had uh, been confirmed to receive their specific main events. You know, John and I were wondering. Okay, were they going to announce the headlining bouts up until the start of the show? And now it has been confirmed by the WWE that night one will feature Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair, and night two will feature Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Um, So you know, if you're going to buy tickets, I suppose you have a bit. Better of an idea of what you're essentially paying for that will potentially headline the show. Um, But, Andrew, to you, um, you know, does this make sense? And also, to me, the bigger question is, what do you fill the rest of the shows with? In particular, if Steve Austin does have a match, where do you put him?
1: Well, as far as uh, Ronda versus Charlotte and uh, Brock versus Roman, I, like when those two matches were confirmed, like to be happening that Mania, like I, I think I, I think pretty much everyone probably saw the writing on the wall. Like it's probably main event night one, main event night two. I think we all kind of saw that, especially uh, in, in the case of Brock and Roman. Like that's the you know that that that's, that seems like two of the guys and that they value the most within the company as far as on screen characters go. And, uh, but like, if I, if I'm, if I'm going to WrestleMania, like, I, I think more so I'm trying to figure out like which, uh, and I I think you had, you or John had mentioned this, uh, on, on one of the post shows. I'm trying to figure out which night Austin is <laughs> which yeah. night Austin is on. <laughs> Cause I mean, be like, you know, why, I mean, why wouldn't you, uh, and, and like the, the, the car, the WrestleMania car is going to be interesting as it rounds out, but we got about five, five weeks or so until Mania happens. And, you know, you also got the, uh you know, the thought out there or the idea of, you know, Cody Rhodes possibly being on this card, you know, you had Edge and, and, and Miz, you know, making those little comments about undeniable and, what would he say, dashing and, and stuff. I mean, of course, he was a friend of Logan Paul, but, you know, it's all within the relation back to uh, past monikers or, or monikers relating to Cody. And, yeah, but with the WrestleMania card, it's, uh like, I, I it, it it's I, I think WrestleMania is always going to be like this, um you know, sort of somewhat exciting thing just because of, you know, the, the 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 spectacle of it all and stuff like that, but as far as like the the match cars and stuff goes, uh, I think it remains to be seen as far as like excitement level, like a you know what, what what is going to bring going forward.
0: If the rumors of Austin getting a match are true, and if Cody Rhodes potentially makes his debut or has a match on the show, where would you put either one?
1: I yeah, see, I see. I would put I would put Cody night one, Austin night two. Cause like, I, I feel like with Austin, I feel like that's a, I, I feel like that's mad. That's, that's, that's super right there, man. So if they can get Austin to come back, that's definitely night two. Cause I think it'll be like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it will be like that. The, the, I feel like night two of WrestleMania, even though night one is still, it, it's, it's still the part of the show. But I mean, I feel like night two is like the closer. Like that's the, that's the final hoorah before you, before you move on. So like, I would definitely have Austin on night two and, you know, send Cody on night one.
0: See, it's for that reason that that I feel like they would put Austin on night one because I would contend that Reigns versus Lesnar might be the more attractive match than Ronda versus Charlotte. And, you know, to put Austin with maybe the lesser of the two main events, I can understand. Presumably, we would probably get Becky versus uh, Bianca Belair on night two now that, you know, like if they want to do both, you know, split the women's titles um so we'll see we'll see what what they can do they have a lot of uh big names to play with
1: moving on yeah, now wait, yes no no wait. i was just gonna say real quick i did not expect them to 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 go full circle with, with bianca I, I swear like when, when she when she lost at uh at SummerSlam in what was it 20 20 some seconds i was like no <laughs> like why why would you do something like that you know what i'm saying and, like I, I i legitimately did not expect them to go full circle word but you know what? I'm still not going to give them credit. I'm going to give Bianca credit <laughs> just because that's how talented she is. But like, uh, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm very surprised to see them like sort of wrap this thing full around. And like, it seems like she's uh, going to win the title.
0: It it seems like it, of course. Yeah. I mean, listen, like when when she lost in that manner and they kept her on TV for as long as they have. I mean, to me, it felt like pretty obvious. But also when Kofi Kingston lost his title to Brock Lesnar, I thought it was pretty obvious that he would get some sort of, you know, revenge as well. But that never happened. So I think people who doubted that they would follow up on this Bianca Belair story have a right to feel that way. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All signs seem to point to her beating Becky at Mania. But, of course, plans can always change. (laughs) Uh, Moving on now, we want to talk about some AEW Dynamite ratings here. Uh, AEW Dynamite ratings. One week after posting its lowest numbers of the year, AEW Dynamite experienced a major bounce back with this week's episode, Per Brandon Thurston of Nomics Dynamite this week averaged one million ten thousand viewers, which is up sixteen percent from last week, and a point four zero in the eighteen to forty-nine demo, which is up twenty-seven percent. And according to Showbuzz Daily, Dynamite ranked number three among cable originals for the evening, behind a college basketball game on ESPN and CNN's coverage of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Eighteen to thirty-four, in particular, was up. By 56 percent compared to last week, while women 18 to 49 grew by 44 percent. Those calculations, courtesy of our own John Pollock. And in terms of the quarterly breakdown, the show peaked in 18 to 49 for the 8:30 block with MJF, and then again for the 9:15 block with the end of the Jericho Kingston segment, which is a, a bit different from usual ratings patterns, where AEW Dynamite tends to peak with its very first segment. Uh, but this week, of course, they began with the tag team battle royal, royal rather than something involving its biggest star. So, um, yeah, Andrew, uh, seems like this week AEW coming back. Did you have any thoughts on either of uh, the main segments coming off of this week's Dynamite?
1: Man, that um, that MJF punk segment, that was money. I can't I, I, I can't I can't even I can't even allow Anyway, That 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 was that was money right there. And see, that the thing I like the most is. When MJF, when he like, like initially when he's doing this stuff, I think everybody in the crowd was just like, man, get out of here. Like, come on now. Like, we, we you really think we about the baddest. And then when they kept going all the way through it and it kept going and we, he kept going, I was like, like, just from a character sense, I was like, oh, he's being, he's being serious right now. And then especially when Punk came out and like, I couldn't really, at first, I couldn't make out what Punk was trying to say to him. And then he was like, is it real? Are you being serious? And like, I was like, I, I just think that that was like a really, it it, it it was a really good segment, but I also wonder, like, I mean, like, of course, is MJF going to, like, take this back next week and he's going to, you know, say y'all, y'all boarded and all this other stuff. But, like, if they are, like, sort of going the route of trying to make Punk, like, come to the realization of, of like, sort of the result, one of the results of him leaving professional wrestling, then if they do... I, Well, I don't. I don't think they're gonna do no switch or anything like that. Like this ain't gonna be like MJF's baby face turn. I don't think that. I I I think that you know it'll be something like you know MJF will come out next week or you know and you know he'll do his whole thing about you know how everybody bought it and they feel for it and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I I think this was you know probably one of MJF's uh, best promos, if not his you know best work in AEW so far. This was this was great.
0: We move on now to the topic of Corey Graves as. Uh, In a recent interview with TMZ in promotion of his new reality show on YouTube with Carmella, Corey Graves actually confirmed previous reports from Fightful, Select in January and also uh, from the Juice Pro Wrestling podcast from his brother Sam Adonis that you uncovered for us, Andrew. Thank you for that. Uh, Where Graves was able to confirm that he is, in fact, cleared to compete. He told TMZ, I went and spent some time with doctors middle of last year. Kind of got the itch. This is one of the first times I'm saying this publicly. I have been medically cleared to compete. It's not an immediate goal of mine. It was just something I needed to know for my own sanity. My journey in the ring got cut short and it's kind of eaten at me for years. Always wondering what if. What if there's a chance? What if there's an opportunity? So I went and did the necessary steps and it turns out I'm more okay than I thought I was. Uh, and at the, Graves, of course, retired from entering competition in 2014 due to concussion issues. Although he did have a brief 24/7 title spot in November of last year. So, Andrew, um, what are your thoughts on Corey Graves potentially making a return to the ring? Uh, I, you know,
1: I'm, 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 I mean, good for him.
0: You know, <laughs> that sense like at all.
1: <laughs> you I mean, just no, I, mean I, I mean, good. You know, good for, You know, I'm always happy to see you know somebody get a. You know, get get cleared. You don't have to get out of the ring for you know for a period of time. And you know, I'm I'm pretty sure he misses the ring and uh, that interview that his uh, brother did, Santodonis. You know, he, you know, he he kind of felt that. You know, although Graves was always very happy for his success, he always kind of felt like you know Graves. I mean, Corey. You know, he wanted to be like man. Like I wish you know I could get back out there. And, you know, do certain stuff in there. So yeah, I'm I'm happy for him, man. You know, know he got his uh an opportunity to get back in the ring. Um, what, what, what did you think about the um? the trailer for the, for the, for the uh, reality show. It was, well, I, I, it was something. I have
0: not, I have not seen it, but, um, I've, oh, I've heard responses to it. Um, care to perhaps, uh, describe your, your viewing of it and what exactly people do can not. see in this trailer.
1: <laughs> I do not, but I, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, if we, if we be honest, like the whole, like the whole trailer, like from when I took it, it's just like, they, they have a lot of sex. Like that's all, it, you know, <laughs> Like, I mean, like that's legitimately like what it was. It, like I was the whole trailer was like they had like sex toys and shit on the floor. I'm like, <laughs> like did they, they not have like had like any like outside activities and like y'all go like grocery shopping or like y'all
0: like? <laughs> this is why he, he got that medical clearance, you know? Maybe maybe like the the in ring return is is just a, a side effect of, of of you know being cleared for other physical activities. So okay, uh, Car- Carmella. Carmel and Corey Graves, that TV show is set to debut on the YouTube channel on Monday. And uh maybe we'll get you on to uh give us a, a review next time, Andrew. I'm sure you'll be watching <laughs> right away. Uh on to uh Terminus. Terminus had its second event last night. Andrew, did you get a chance to catch it?
1: Yes, I did. It was a it was a fun it was a fun show, man. It was a good show. You know, they um you know they at the first show, you know, they had their uh, initial sort of technical snafus i guess is the right word and like, uh when i had interviewed baron black recently to do a follow-up on the first interview he said that that was something they was that they, they were going to have ironed out like they were going to make sure all the production issues and you know technical uh, technical audio issues were going to be sorted out and you know they did that it seemed like they switched up the presentation a little bit too like they sort of added like some sort of ring ropes and you know uh d- different entrance way and stuff like that so it, it was a cool setup what, what did you think about the uh sort of the improvements from the first uh
0: yeah, honestly, um I I don't even remember so much like the first show anymore, but like watching this one, I thought in terms of the visual presentation, everything seemed pretty pretty flawless. In terms of the audio though, I don't know if this was the case for you because I didn't watch live. I'm only I only watched the the fight feed after the fact, but it seemed like it had some sort of like weird issue where like all the audio was slowing down, so everybody said it like they were like, you know, like chopped and screwed. Um, and then like every so often you'd have like a couple seconds get cut out because I guess the audio somehow had to catch up so it it, it wasn't perfect but it certainly didn't necessarily detract you know from the matches because um, it, visually everything was pretty crystal clear and you could really make almost everything out uh, what were your thoughts on some of the highlights of, of the card
1: Uh, I, so I think that Queen Aminad is like her her presentation, like her interesting stuff. Like I think she has a, a a real nice presence about her. It was cool seeing her on this uh, on this show. Of course Daniel Garcia and Kevin Blackwood teaming up the Buffalo Boys. Um, you know it's always good to see them. I think Kevin Blackwood. I think he just made his um, NJPW debut not too long ago. Um, and in the main event with you know Gresham and Santana. Uh, I think they were having a really, really good match. And then, of course, you know, the, the, the finish of the match was was what it was. And then they made a whole joke about it afterwards. Um, you know, it, so, was, it, was, so, it, was, it was a solid shot. And then, oh, yeah, you go away.
0: Well, so the, I wanted to specifically focus on that because, uh, yeah, a uh, spoiler warning if, if you're planning on watching the event. But basically, uh, in the main event, we did have Santana versus John Gresham for the ROH original title. And... I thought the match turned out really well up until the finish. I mean, they told a really good fighter versus wrestler story with Gresham basically, you know, goading Santana to like, hey, like instead of fighting, you got to like, you know, play my game and that's essentially what Gresham did he really for for the most part to me controlled the match but Santana showed that he was able to more than keep up with the style Gresham of course looked amazing um he 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 was just absolutely fantastic went about 20 minutes everything was great and then we get to the finish which was a series of fast pinning combinations and reversals until the referee Michael Black started to count one two Hmm. and then stopped and then this scramble towards the end of the match with Gresham and, and Santana giving him a look like, what are you doing? And I think we quickly realized that was supposed to be the finish. And the referee, for whatever reason, did not count the third. And so the following moments, um, you see a bit of scramble. The crowd's not really happy. So Gresham and Santana improvise with Gresham basically putting him in a jackknife pin. One, two. And the referee again stops short. And... There he stops short. He's making contact with eye contact with Gresham, who basically tells him that's the finish count to three. And the referee then signals for the bell. It was completely awkward and uh, really unfortunate because it ended not just the match, but the show on a bit of a down note. I will say, though, to me, the following moments after that were were maybe a bit uncomfortable for me, Andrew, because you kind of pointed out how they were trying to, like, you know, make fun of it a bit. Gresham, he he basically took the microphone and said to the crowd, "What are you more in favor of, us getting rid of referee Michael Black or another match?" And then he proceeded to grab two individuals in the crowd for an impromptu game of rock paper scissors to decide the referee's job. And I understand, like you know, in that moment you're incredibly heated, especially if you're the promoter, Um, not happy with something like this. But I just felt like, you know. I don't know what sort of planning and what sort of miscommunication went on, but I I didn't really feel comfortable with like you know him basically kind of like you know like putting this this referee on blast like in front of a crowd with him standing right there it was like super uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, I I, I think with the finish of the match it definitely didn't go as planned. and I think that's that's obvious to anybody that will that that had that did watch it or will watch it. You you clearly see that you know things just went left and probably that first fall that they did. Uh, probably should have been the finish of the match, and, and as far as like after you know, after the match and you know, sort of making light of uh, referee Michael Black and you know his uh his um you know the, the, the mishap right there. I, I think that was more of a thing, M- maybe you know that they were trying to sort of get the crowd back into it because you can just tell like completely after that first finish, like they were like uh like yikes, like the the, the crowd was just hey, it, it was dead silent in there for a little bit. I would say for a good, about fifteen. Maybe twenty seconds after the uh, after the three count happened, it was it was dead silent in there. So maybe that was his way of trying to make light of the situation. Like I I I, I did feel a bit embarrassed for uh for Michael Black, as I'm pretty sure like anybody in that position, man. Like you you know that, that, that's embarrassing, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like you in the main event, and you know it, it goes left and it doesn't go how you think it's gonna go. So um, yeah, I, I definitely felt bad for Michael Black as far as um you know him sort of making the joke about uh would what, what they rather see. You know, a, a rematch um, between him and Santana, Would they rather see, you know, uh, Ma- Michael Black be, you know, let go from the from the promotion? I I, I don't think they'll actually, you know, get rid of get rid of. Him. Well, I hope not, but um, you don't yeah, think I mean, so I after that? Uh, I mean I, mean, I, I mean, I I I I can see it happen, but I also don't think they they will. But I mean, I, I guess it just depends on the type of individual that you know. Gresham is, you know, as far as um, you know, about how you know how significant this, like that incident was, and if that, you know, the if that would lead to you know him ultimately wanting to get rid of Michael Black completely, you know, as a, as an official. I, I don't. I think they'll bring him back for the next show. to Be honest with you. Uh,
0: you know, unfortunately, maybe the Finnish Martin controversy, but um, I thought the rest of the show, from what I was able to see, I saw the second half. I really enjoyed, including, um, of course, uh, Swerve. Swerve, the realist as he's going by now, Uh, having a great match with Davey Richards, only his third match back since leaving the WWE, but a really great kind of technical battle and Swerve, again, proving incredible versatility and great charisma as well. Um so that match ended with a count out and of course the terminus the countouts are a count out of 5 but Swerve was able to get back into the ring before Richards after a double stomp on the apron. We also got to see uh Baron Black versus Jay Lethal, Baron Black whom uh, you mentioned Andrew, you uh interviewed. Uh what'd you think of the match?
1: Baron is on a uh like he was even making a joke about it when I spoke to him and like he was doing some media, and you know, making light of he's on like a bit of a losing streak in AEW like he's like 0 and 48 right now. <laughs> and, and like, I like I mean, but I I think that as far as Baron goes, I think it also goes to show you that he's a uh, very versatile because he, he, he's been sliding into a lot of different positions with a lot of like, um, a lot of who, who some people consider like elite wrestlers, like, and he's always been putting like on that other side. And I think that's why you kind of sort of see him everywhere because you can sort of slide him in these different positions. So, I mean, he, you know, he's head of the promotion, you know, I, I, you know he's not booking himself to win and stuff like that. So I mean it's, it's it's cool to see Baron, you know, making the rounds, man. I'm uh, you know, I'm happy for him. And um, you know, I I, I like the the Leon Ruff, uh, the match of Leon Ruff that I think was determined his four way. Like the crowd was like really behind Leon, like they were really really behind him. So it was always, it's always cool to see Leon, um, you, you know, Leon back out here on the independent scene, especially after his you know his run at WWE on on NXT, which I think was I think it was I think it was it was a success uh, as far as what he did. As we did there.
0: Serena Diva, I thought, also had a great match with Liza Hall. Uh, They went to a time limit draw. And then, you know, in Terminus, of course, after the 15-minute time limit draw, they do a 90-second overtime scramble. And they made use of it a couple times on the show, including in this deep match where... I thought it was used quite effectively you know they put, put a break in the action and then restart the match and it's, it's the pace is immediately fast you know they're going to finishes right away and its immediate pinfalls and oh. at least in 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 the two cases i happen to catch uh they both ended in in victory so um you know you can tell maybe the crowd is still kind of warming up to some of the ideas like you know a five second count out but i think um with repeated appearances they're going to get more and more excited when these situations happen so uh, again, you know, c- unfortunate finish aside, I mean, from what I was able to see, it seemed like a you know a, a, an enjoyable, successful show. Uh, and, and in fact, let's go here to a Super Chat a bit earlier because Bruce Lord, Contrasoma, sent a $5 Super Chat who happened to also catch Term- Terminus. He says, Terminus was enjoyable, weird finish aside. Are there any wrestlers you would like to see working in that format? I think Daniel McAbee would fit in well.
1: Mm. That'd be a good fit. Just I, I, off the top of my head, I probably had to sort of think a little bit as far as, like, who I think would fit in that promotion. Uh, who, Like, any names that, like, sort of come to the top of your head Way Like, just off the... I, I mean, the honestly,
0: birth? like, in, any any wrestlers who, who really kind of fancy themselves as, like, you know, uh, practitioners of, of a more ground-based style, I think would be Perfect Fits. You know, we have people uh, like Lee Moriarty that are out there. Timothy Thatcher is out there right now, uh, who I think would be awesome, um, you know. Um,
1: It'd be cool to see, uh, like like Shane Haste, maybe in a in a, in the Terminus the former Shane Thorne it'd be cool to see mm-hmm. him sort of sort of in there uh they, I think there's a bunch of people that would that, that would feel well in Terminus I like to see Janaka I come back you know so it would be uh yeah it's a bunch of people man
0: yeah, and you know what? Like, I don't think Terminus is even necessarily completely basing itself around, like, people who have to be ground-based wrestlers. Yeah. Like, like it's it's very much... Um, a lot of the matchups we got to see t- last night were maybe one ground-based, mat-based wrestler and then somebody who, you know, is, is just a good professional wrestler, period. I, I, I think it's a bit more of a versatile style than what Bloodsport is. I mean, for one thing, they at, at least have ropes. Um, so people can really kind of bring their usual style without altering too much. So I think anybody can really fit in. Uh, All right. Our last thing here, we have just a bit of an update on what is to come on tonight's professional wrestling. We have uh, on SmackDown, Andrew, we've got a contract signing between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns here uh, for the, of course, uh, WrestleMania main event. Um, The winner take all WrestleMania main event uh, and also, we've got uh, Sammy Zayn. What else? What else we got here? Sammy Zayn celebrates his IC title victory, and Drew McIntyre versus Mad Cat Moss in an Elimination Chamber rematch. So, uh, man, shout out to Mad Cat.
1: Shout out to him.
0: Woof. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, totally. And he's back like right away. So we shall uh, see how he is doing. I mean, obviously cleared, but you know, hopefully uh, he. He, he doesn't suffer any effects from that uh, terrible bump. Over on AEW Rampage, if, you're, um, if you feel like one contract signing isn't enough, we're going to get two of them because <laughs> Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker are also going to have a contract signing. The aforementioned... Uh, aforementioned serena deeb is doing another five minute rookie challenge and uh, we also have a face of the revolution qualifying match between orange cassidy and anthony bowens to join that match for the brass ring and then the headlining bout is uh, for the tnt championship a match between sammy Guevara and andrade el idolo so uh, any predictions for any uh, the main event uh, on this show
1: like I, I'm, I'm very conflicted on. Um, well, well, first, let me just say that because uh, as far as Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker, like I have never seen. So so like I, I I swear everybody has been saying this for like months now that Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker was probably gonna be the the match at Revolution. Like I I, everybody under the sun has been saying this, and it is crazy. It's crazy to see like this like actually um you know happening. This is like actually the thing now. So I, I like when I look at this, I'm like. It's it's thunder Rose of time, man. It's her time. Like it really, like it's like it's what It's like one of those clear cut, decisive like. Britt Breakers had a, a really great run. You know, she's been on top since what May of last year. So like, you know, I, I think it's time to sort of pass the torch and sort of move it along. Um, and and, mm-hmm. and with I'm I'm very conflicted on the Anthony Bowens versus Orange Cassidy match because I, I I want Bowens to sort of get that shine that sort that of, like I want him to be in one of these you know. Real prime time spots on uh, on the AEW pay per view, but then at the same time, you can also see the appeal of Orange Cassidy being in there with Will Hobbs, Keith Lee, Warlow, and and uh, Ricky Starks. Like you, you, you can just see like the dynamic like w- within Orange Cassidy being in there. So I'm I'm real conflicted as far as like who I would want to be in that match.
0: Of course, spoilers are already out. This was the taped edition, but I mean, I personally haven't read them. Yeah. just you know something about like yeah, this being on paper. Something about this being on pay-per-view kind of probably tells me that, you know, they'll probably pick the bigger name in Orange Cassidy. Um, But, you know, hopefully the match is good to even get there. So that'll all be tonight. And as I mentioned, John Pollock and myself will be back in the Post Wrestling Cafe at PostWrestlingCafe.com to review all of it starting at 1115 Eastern. Andrew Thompson, this is an incredibly busy week for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me, but if people want to hear more from you at postwrestling.com, where can they do that?
1: Yeah, so we just just put out uh, last night, uh, myself, Martin Bushby, and the the MMA legend himself, Eric McCartney, we we recorded a document, we recorded a review about the Bret Hart documentary that WWE put out um, in 2005, and then also Coming out very soon, uh, a new edition of the Nubian Wrestling Advocates with myself, Nate Milton, Chris Ely, and of course Rich Fan uh, from PW Torch. Very uh, looking forward to, uh, very much looking forward to you know for people to hear that. That's a uh, very cool conversation, and uh, they, they recorded a separate edition to sort of uh, update you know their thoughts about Keith Lee, um, you know, coming into AEW because like when we when me Nate and Chris recorded it, it was prior to, and they're like I think like the next day or the next two days he actually debuted in AEW. So um yeah, I'm I'm very excited to hear what Nate, Rich, and uh Chris had to say about that.
0: It's been a while since we've heard from the Nubian Wrestling Advocates, so look up for that tomorrow afternoon in the Post Wrestling Cafe feed. As uh Andrew mentioned, if you want to hear that Bret Hart documentary review, that is on the British Wrestling Experience feed. So go and check that out. And as always, give a subscribe to Andrew Thompson Interviews. He uh has Plenty of uh, stuff up there, including the uh, a- aforementioned interview with Baron Black talking about Terminus and anything else you got coming
1: up, Andrew, that you wanted to promote. Yeah, I, I'll be recording in uh, an interview next week, a special, special, special somebody. So I think a lot of people will be very uh, interested to uh, to hear that. And the written version will be on postwrestling.com and you know, oh. the video will be on my YouTube channel. So it,
0: yeah. the the tease the tease is on, and and, and would that person happen to be a uh, a uh, 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 a person who is many people's uh, favorite caller from Ireland, Andrew?
1: <laughs> Let me tell you something. Neil Flanagan will never be on my YouTube ever. Ooh. Neil, Neil it's, hey, wait, wait. Have you heard? Have you heard? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I heard will your be promo. Appearing at the show, I will be there. So, Neil, like I said, you better watch it back. Watch Wait a second. I,
0: I heard I heard you mention it on the on a British uh uh the Bush B and Thompson's wrestling adventure, but is this true? You're actually gonna you're saying you're gonna make an appearance in the uh uh live podcast that BWE and Up Next and Grapple are doing in Leeds, UK?
1: You know you, you know you never know, way. You never know. I might show yeah. up and I might I, I might put the with the, the, the taz mission on Neil. So you never know. I see I I never <laughs> thought that my first trip to England will be focused around my beef with Neil. Now see Neil Neil, Neil could have prevented it this way, but now it's on. So Neil, you did this to yourself. It's oh on Neil. boy. Stop.
0: Neil is actually in the chat room. He says harsh in capital letters. So Boo. um Neil buff up buff up that security right now uh, while you can. <laughs> so uh again Andrew thank you for joining me. You can follow him at A D Thompson underscore underscore just two underscores uh for now. Uh, So I am uh, at way zero nine three seven and I'll catch you guys all tonight. Bye.